If there wasn't already enough division in this country, especially speaking to you, our listener, live from Election Day. Yes, this is Election Day. We are potting on Election Day, so we don't have to look at our phones. Yeah, so we don't have to see either a fascist regime continue or... Uh, what is the alternative uh, even? Uh, still a pandemic. Still a pandemic, yes. Life goes on, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah! Yeah. So if, when you uh, people that are listening in, um, they might know whatever results there are, but we don't. So we are in this blissful um, purgatory. Yes, purgatory with looming consequences. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I'm glad we are still finishing each other's sentences yes. here. Uh, uh, as we were both just talking about, we might be a little rusty today. Yeah, it's been it has been a while. We have been away from each other for a while. We have. Yeah. But now not, looking into the all-knowing we'll the abyss of your eyes, I I see our past and future in the present. Yeah, you feel shy? <laughs> I have to tell you something that I've been waiting to tell you since the end of last pod. Well, I can't, since right after. I can't it, wait. It has to do with the Radiohead pod, of course. Okay. Good. Of course. And it's it's such sweet, dramatic irony. Okay. And I think you'll appreciate it. Yeah, that's okay. all I appreciate. So you had that defense about In Rainbows, oh, which fuck, I believe was your number three? I believe that was my four. Four. Yeah. About how it's their love album, and it tricks you with opening with 15-step, the uh-huh. jarring 5-4 yeah. oddest opening of maybe of all course. of them, yeah. maybe Bloom, that you hate. Uh-huh. And, my favorite, yeah. <laughs> And then the rock song of Body Snatchers, uh-huh. and then you remove those two, and there's this beautiful like love album. That's right all there is. That's all that's it's left. So, I've been listening to it that way now, and because you're so right, <laughs> I haven't heard that since fucking 1993, dude. You, can, you have moved. Come. You have moved in rainbows for me. From number six to number five. I now, never the, get to give myself a round of applause. I'm right, doing well, maybe it right not now. yet. Because oh, fuck, here we in go. the process. <laughs> You did some research? No, you have knocked an amnesiac down to number six <laughs> by doing so. Of course. And there is the sweet, sweet irony that we got to have right there. And that just cracks me up. If I had a nickel for every time I've told myself, silent, yes, well, silently told myself, Alex, you should have kept your fucking mouth shut, <laughs> I'd have a shitload of nickels. I yeah. have a whole bag of them. But you, you did what you actually came to accomplish, and you jarred up my my favorite list a bit. You know, you did that. Yeah. Okay, so, good. I mean, I feel like you should be glad. I mean, not not exactly. Not how I would have wanted the end result, uh, but I am an instigator, even if it's to my own detriment. All right. Now, before we start the opening credits, what do you say me and you try our best okay. to go an entire episode without talking about without Radiohead? Without talking about Radiohead. <laughs> Thinking about you. Get it all out right now. records are here. Your eyes on. My wall. <laughs> all right, I'm done. I'm all fucking right. done. Welcome right. to the GoPro. Right.
in front of, ladies and gentlemen, the sultry-voiced post-punk king of Los Angeles, Mr. Cameron Demetrius. Yes, that was your best intro yet, and your longest. And my long... I'm trying to make it more long-winded every <laughs> right. time. We don't have long enough episodes, I've noticed No, that. we don't. We've actually done really well, and I believe the listener's going to agree with us in except shortening the, Except for the last one, which was about a, a band that we both enjoy, and we ranked their albums. That's all I'll say about it. <laughs> I can't believe we did that. Like, when you put it on paper like that, it sounds so ridiculous. It sounds dumb. It's obviously the most important subject to of, talk about right of our time. Yeah, especially right now, especially on today. election day. Oh, I, got, I wish I had my sampler. Man. Election day. See, that would have been fun to do. But yeah, listeners, uh, we're so happy that you've been enjoying our uh, shorter episodes. We're sorry they're not four hours long anymore. Yeah. Succinctness is a virtue. Yes. Yeah. What are we going to be talking about today, dude? It seems, today, it seems like we have yeah, so much. We, we have some good stuff. We got we got more goat worthy tunes. They're we're back with tunes. Um, you, we each got one. You're sticking on the local train. Uh, well, local I'm train. back on the local train, but I feel like it's cheating because I'm playing a local band that I've played before. But the thing is, I would call it cheating. Yeah, this is I'll one of my. I'll call it being a fan. Okay, and I'm I'm very rarely a fan of yeah. anything. I'm a fan of this band, and I'm not going to say the name yet not because yet. I'm going to tease the listener. Yes, but if you've been Good with us that. since the beginning, which probably one or two of you are or have been, you might recognize this. You one. might recognize it. Not the yeah. song, but the name. The name and the oh, story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm going to say a bunch of complimentary things about them because I hate myself and love everyone else. What are you bringing for your Goat Worthy uh, today? It's an East Coast project. I, I, I'm not doing local, but very excited to talk about it. It's an, one of my favorite new albums that's come out recently, which there has been a lot of. There has there been is, a lot of I've, music. I've been yeah. um, hearing a lot of good stuff. I've been trapped inside as usual. And <laughs> yeah. do, are you a fan of Adrian Linker from Big Thief? Oh, yeah. I listened to the new record. I've it's listened, yeah, the, it's the, incredible. The songs? Yeah. Oh, man. Gorgeous it's, record. It's really. I have not heard the other. She record. also released one called Instrumentals. Oh, I didn't I have hear not, that. I have not listened to that one. How many records does she put out a year? Is she on uh, her seventh about one record or two year? a year, and she don't miss. No, it's crazy. Yeah, like I keep being like, this is the one where you're going to be like, this is kind of one you can skip, and then some song that changes you. Yeah, her approach. There was a great New Yorker article about her approach mm-hmm. to songwriting, and that um, amazing. It's, her delicate intimacies I can't, I can't and vulnerabilities. How she writes so much music. Yeah. And it's all so interesting and good, and I feel like she continues to grow while staying true to her sound. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan, big fan of Big Thief and Adrian. I feel like she is <clears throat> both so prolific and uh, on point with all of her releases because she uh, she doesn't buy into the bullshit. You mm-hmm. can hear that in her songs as well. Interesting, yeah. And last year. She had two releases with Big Thief, yeah. UFOF and uh, Two Hands. And another band I like, not quite as much, Foles, English band. Right, also, you love Foles. I do and I don't. They, I feel like they've kind of become like a modern rock. They definitely have. Like, uh, Maybe unfortunately trope. or unfairly thrust into unfairly that position. Unfairly before, but they're kind of falling into it. Right. Like they're like, well, if this is the way, I mean, I don't blame them. Yeah. Personally, no. but they did two albums last year too. And the first one was way better than the second one. But Was the second one super rocky? Yeah. And Big Thief did the, I mean, a lot of people would say UFOF is better, but I like Two Hands so much more. I thought that was I've only heard album. Masterpiece. That's See, the only Masterpiece record Masterpiece is the only one I don't know, because I, I got into them at Capacity. Gotcha. I've heard great things about Capacity. Oh, Capacity's great. That's That was like kind of their breakout, but gotcha. I need to go back to Masterpiece. 
Masterpiece is great, but again, it's the only thing I know, so I need to revisit the 10 records they've put out <laughs> since. The, you'll have a great time doing it. <laughs> I would say rent a cabin. And, and you know, just dive into ayahuasca. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of her and her not buying into the bullshit, we're also for our list of mania today are mm. going to be talking about things, pitfalls of bands. You know what, dude, on the way over here, I was thinking about this list and how silly this list is. No, it is my is, side. It is side this B. This is a good list for people to hear. The reason I, I hope was there's thinking, like 20 year olds listening to this list. I hope today. there is too, but this, the, the, dude, it, I it need remains. Some zoomers. We are in. Or I, I don't know. Maybe this is all just for our generation. I but. think it might be because there are no, <laughs> there are no more rules. Like the rules that we're going to be discussing today right. might not be applicable to the coming landscape of I think we need to preface this list by saying this list again tell them what it is it's the top 10 biggest mistakes you could make as a band yes and within a I local scene or like it needs to have a preface that this is pre-covid times this is pre-covid times certainly and also we could call this list speaking for a friend because it feels like uh, we're going to be talking about some mistakes that you and I have made personally yeah. in groups that we've had to learn the hard way um, and then subsequently reform how we approach these topics. Yeah. So uh, we're going to be maybe getting a little vulnerable today, too. Maybe yeah, talking I mean, about I'm, some shit. I'm going to be talking about up. stuff that I feel like I kind of fucked up or failed at. And yeah, like, it's, me yeah, too. See, it's definitely going to be vulnerable. Me I mean, too. I call it the top 10 musician mistakes just because I like to keep things really succinct, but I like, I'm sure you have a million titles. For it. I have one title today. That's it? But it's the length of an emo record. Okay, title. well, we'll wait till we get to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to drop unwrap it. Unwrap that scroll. Yeah. Again, we're rusty, dude. I'm not coming in with okay. like 10 different Listomania names anymore. I got to build back. <laughs> yeah. Up. You got to get back into it, into the swing of things. Into the swing. And then uh, to end the episode today, we're going to be talking a little bit about a certain controversy going on. and in rock music today, a, a smaller one, but a, a fascinating uh, just So fascinating. Um, if, if you've been listening to us a couple of episodes ago, I want to say it was, right? Yes. Maybe two, Maybe two or three. Maybe episode 10 or 11. Um, Cam played a song by a group called Idols. I did. And since that track has come out, mm -hmm. and thereafter them releasing a record, there has been this weird... Uh, maybe inexplicable backlash yes just a just a, a very strange backlash which um we'll get into but we'll get yeah. into basically I mean, we're going to talk about unfortunately well we're yeah. going to talk about if it's right or if it's wrong if the um, album's good at all if the album's good if the album's good enough to even have this conversation over it and if the album's subpar tendencies contributed to the band being called out on right. things that might like not if this album totally slapped, would anybody say anything? If this album totally slapped, I don't think there would be a conversation. Yeah, but we'll we'll but get to yes, that. of course yeah, we'll get to that. Basically, uh, the proof check today is about virtue signaling right. in mainstream rock music, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which somehow idols are mainstream rock music because this year just continues <laughs> to swing from get weirder. the weirder pendulum. <laughs> but things aren't weird today. It's election day. Oh, yeah. It's uh, totally normal. After you know? the complete dismantling of the experiment of our democracy. We, we propped a couple chairs up against the door. Yeah. We <laughs> don't know what's going to happen. And, uh, you know, boarded up. 
boarded up the whole room just in case. Just you know? in case. Yeah. We don't want any of you leftist, radical, Antifa looters yeah, coming r- in and right stealing our $60 condenser microphones. <laughs> that is what we would be most likely to steal, by yeah. the way. <laughs> <laughs> when you hit me up and you're like, what's Tuesday like for you? I almost wanted to say, what the fuck do you mean, what's Tuesday like for me? What's Tuesday like for the you're country? Like stress eating <laughs> yeah, and right. yelling at a television. I actually, like, I had just gotten home from the grocery store too and i had a huge loaf of banana nut bread and a big like a big box of donut holes Uh and uh that was my dinner tonight i'm still gonna fuck with it later oh yeah everybody's eating nasty oh dude so nasty yeah Yeah, i'd eat fucking yesterday's garbage if it was put in front of me just to forget the anxiety of what we i might have to go with some hot chicken please please that's that's my nasty i got because they're they pop i don't know if you've noticed this in los angeles but there's a hot chicken restaurant on every block now. Oh, yeah. It's the most popular thing. It's crazy. And yeah. they all kind of taste exactly the same, except yeah. for Howlin' Rays, because that's incredible. Howlin' Rays is incredible. Um, it's, it's, but I don't mind any of them. I'm like, this is no. great. Keep and this it's going. All, it's all Nashville hot chicken, yeah, too, like, which is ridiculous. Yeah, it it sure. No, it's not, because no, me, true Nashville hot chicken. Because I went to Nashville. And tell where me did you I go? Did. I asked all the bartenders and the locals. Did they tell you to go to Prince's? I, they did. Did you go to Prince's? I did. Oh. I drove all the way up there, Fuck and yeah. I went to Prince's. You and have it to go to Prince's. fucking amazing. It's incredible, right? Uh, did you try to order the extra hot? No, because okay. I'm still a total wuss about... Well, I, I love hot chicken, but I get mild or country. And then I'll usually yeah. get one wing medium, and I'll suffer through it. It's hot, that. dude. It's hard. It's. <laughs> I mean, it'll make you shit your brains out yeah. for the next two and a half I years. Just, I just like know that, and that's the yeah. only reason I don't do it a lot. So that's yeah. why maybe tonight's the night for it, because it the morning after, be. is, is a, it's rough. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I ask if you tried to order the extra hot, because... They, wouldn't, they, they, they would look at me, and They like, won't serve white people yeah. extra hot chicken. They're like, where are you from? Like Central Oregon. They're like, get your northern no, yeah, mouth out of okay. here. Okay, <laughs> so if you want extra hot, you gotta, as a white dude, you gotta stand outside and, hey, mister it. You gotta be like, hey, shoulder tap? Hey, dude, hey, would you mind scoring me a fucking six piece of the yeah. extra hot? Like, like, like you're getting the six pack of Mickey's. <laughs> exactly. Um, I've never had the extra hot because I'm not allowed to, and I'm really? cool with that. No. And you know what? It, they're doing us a service. No, yeah, Our we can't. Our palates aren't it. built that no. way, and we'd probably try to sue. <laughs> that is the most accurate thing I've yeah. ever heard in my life. You're like, we don't we're not fucking that. guarantee that that's a liability. It's a lawsuit waiting to happen. Well, shit, you want to get some goat worthy? Yeah. It's your side. It is my side. And should we apologize for being gone for a month? I yeah, mean, I, can... I feel like we should. I mean, there was a reason for that besides there are you know, two reasons yeah. for it there's a reason on mine and yours right we, mine's, we had some stuff to mine's not of. so happy yours is happy and we'll talk about your happy shit later as i sit here in a jealous rage <laughs> sorry guys uh it's just like shit came up and yeah uh, it's it was impossible to do this and and we're back yeah so. we're, we're still finishing out the season we got some good stuff yeah we got we got a few really strong episodes yeah we still got us. a couple more we got this week we got my side this is the second half of the month, which... Your side's very... going to be really embarrassing. Yes, we're going to tackle the top 10 pop punk songs. <sighs> Nobody's as excited as me. No, actually, everyone just stopped this episode. <laughs> yeah, when they just like, heard uh, that. They're like, oh, just in this. case gonna, this one I'm might gonna be that. I'm going to take a vacation from these guys. They yeah. want to take a vacation from us? Fuck it, I'm not going to Just a laptop flying out a window. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, let's get into Goat Worthy.
You go first. It's all you. Okay. So thinking again about the shifting landscape of what's happened in Los Angeles, I don't even really know who's a band anymore unless right. they're releasing music. And this group, Junico, of course. There it um, is. There it is. Earlier this year, I played uh, Living Out of Mind, mm-hmm. which was a single that they put out. I want to say that was like May. Dude, <sighs> Might have been I don't, earlier. I don't even know. It could have Maybe been Maybe March. Maybe March. Yo, Maybe March. That's scary. Which I've had a, a like I've I've had kind of an obsession with it lately is bands that put out singles or albums in March. Yeah, because you can kind of hear hope in those songs. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like this like isn't Dog gonna last. You're right. And yeah. Beach Bunny, who we uh-huh. played. Oh yeah, like, the there Beach was, Bunny. There was song. this like we're about to be on tour for two years. Feel to it. Yes. You know, and that's like I just kind of like want to like. Like suck that in, you know, like just like coddle it. Yeah, just be like, give me that energy. Yeah. <laughs> give me that remembrance. <laughs> that was a little sexually deviant. Sorry, I no, heard that Laura Palmer's no, theme no. the other day. I'm still. It's hot the only way it can get off. <laughs> um, so this song uh, from Junico that we're about to play, this is an an earlier song that they had put out in their catalog in their repertoire. Um, from their first EP, which was named Awry, which mm-hmm. came out last year. Uh, the song's called In Between. It was a Spotify hit to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, it got playlisted. It took the fuck off from you know a group that very few people had heard of at that time. And uh, you listening out there, you've probably heard the original version in Starbucks or Walmarts or yeah. like wherever they play hip. They've got a very comfortable days. sound that like definitely can get its way into that. Yes, and usually when I say that a band has a comfortable sound, that's an insult. Yeah, I don't mean it in that way. I no, just mean neither it's, do it's I. Very warm and like the recording has a very so inviting warm. feel to it. Well, this is a reprise of that original song. Love in that. between. So uh, people don't do reprises enough anymore. No, and it's a beautiful thing. Since they're they're friends of mine, Joey's my producer, who's the drummer and other half. And Shahana's, let's just say they have some good news coming. They have, they have they, some they, good fortune some, coming. Yeah, their way. I shouldn't. They they they're doing well. Yes, and they're about to do a hell of a lot better. So which is exciting which, for a so, band in 2020. Yes, you're doing well Dude, at all. They're young. They're attractive. They right. write great tunes. They have a killer producer on board with them. They're about to have the juggernaut of the machine behind them. And I all couldn't the, be all the, They got through all the things that we're going to talk about on this list <laughs> yeah, that you right. avoid doing. Yeah. And if you avoid doing all those, then and you get there. what pisses me off about Joey and Shahana and Junico is that they d- didn't make any of these mistakes. They just did everything right, you know, and they, they followed their intuition to a certain degree they didn't buy into the bullshit like Mm -hmm. they they, this isn't a dog and pony show yes like a lot of other bands are junico is not that they just had the product it feels authentic like yeah they had the product they were nice people and people and and people want to work with that they respond well to that they're like oh not only is your shit banging but you're also incredibly pleasant to be around and you're both very polite, and I can see this being a working rapport for the rest of both of our careers yeah. together. So people hop on board. Big time. Which is a mistake that other bands make that we'll get into it being egotistical motherfuckers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not that you and I have done that before. Never. No. No. No, definitely no. not. Uh-uh. Speaking if for I a friend. Have, Speaking I've for done friend. it better than you. <laughs> but I haven't. Oh, I love how this is already coming out. <laughs> Anyways, guys. Uh, in turbulent times, especially by the time you're listening to this, we'll know we'll know a lot about this country by the time you're listening to this on Wednesday. This song is to either help you celebrate a new ushering of um, 
well, I guess more hopefully a transparent democracy, or it's to calm you in your lament for still having a Cheeto Nazi in mm. the White House. So this is Junico's In Between Reprise.
Junico in between reprise. reprise. Gorgeous. I have to say, um, I am not the thing about Junico that really surprises me in like take out the fact that they're my friends. I'm not the biggest fan of this genre of music. Right. Laid back summer dream pop, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Right. You know, new age R and B. Um, but their songs help me transcend to a different yeah. feeling. Um, and that's all I'm looking for, really, yeah. in my life these days anyways. As so. a big-time stoner, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. <laughs> but Junico, that was a wonderful song. I feel like it could, maybe if there's an album coming, it could be like the last song. I wonder if there is an album coming. I could see it. Huh. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I really like that one. I, I did. You were talking about Spotify playlists, and I did want to bring something up. I don't know if you heard about this, but if Spotify didn't think that we hated them enough... Have you heard about their new thing that they just I announced? Don't e- uh, do we need any more bad news in our lives? Right. Uh, the last thing I know from Spotify, which did make me hate them more, was the CEO came out like a month right. no, or two ago worse. and said, hey, if you're a band who thinks releasing one yeah, record release every couple of every years. Month, you yeah, idiots. right. Exactly. And the, only to drive their ad revenue and mm. profit margins up. Yes. Like he, The guy who created, well. So this I is going to make you fume. I just, even more than that, even the guy who is the enemy who tells us to release more music to get our streaming numbers up because the metrics and popularity of said metrics aren't enough to make us want to quit music as is. No, because now they have introduced oh, perfect. that artists can choose to take a further pay cut from their uh, royalties that they get paid to get played for an algorithm bump. Are you fucking kidding? That, it's that, over. I mean, that's payola, I believe. That is, is payola. Is that's exactly what payola is. <clears throat> and for the listener who doesn't, or you're not up to speed on your music industry jargon, payola was a classic term which has kind of bled into modern times where uh, labels would pay radio DJs to spend singles. Yeah, from. that's yeah. essentially what's going on. And we're paying for it out of pocket. Like, oh my god and not, not if, out of pocket exactly nothing's gotten into our pockets no as if it couldn't be as if the split could not be any more tilted which you know artists are going to do big time because they're already oh, yeah. like i don't make any money from them no. anyway so they're just bend over right and just be like give me that sweet algorithm bump i want the playlist give, do you know please put me on undercurrents oh, chill low five beats is <laughs> the only place i belong sunday indie brunch with father john misty <laughs> Lorma or whatever the hell the kids are listening to. I don't know. I just aged myself 30 years. Lorma. There is a playlist that the kids listen to. It's called something like that. I can't remember. Oh, my God. Wait, so do you know what the fraction is for taking that cut? I don't. I couldn't even read. I, I just I couldn't even read about what they were offering or not. That's not the, whatever the opposite of offering is. Hey, I have a question. Yes. If you want to release music and you don't want to do it on Spotify or Instagram, how do you even do that anymore? You're just asking how do you be a musician and, and avoid the internet altogether. And avoid the internet. Yeah. Is that even a possibility anymore? In COVID, we well absolutely not. Yeah, definitely not. No, absolutely but is there... Not. Is Unless there... you just do it for yourself, man. Yeah. You. I mean, that's what you have to <laughs> yeah, do. You're not going to... Yeah. You're not going to... I guess... Yeah. No, everything I'm going to say involves the internet, mm-hmm. unfortunately. I how just, did we get here? <laughs> how, why are we here? <laughs> 
Oh, well, that was sad. I'm sorry I mentioned that. Thanks, buddy. Uh, Anyway, so it's election day, so things are looking up. (laughs) (laughs) Spotify wants to play us less. There's a real chance that this fucking asshat can score another four years. And uh, here we are about to jump into one of Cam's Goatworthy tunes to hopefully turn this whole ship around. This is fun. Um, This is an artist that I've been just bumping his album Live Forever. Uh, he goes by the name Barty's Strange. Cool. Um, he just was it his first record that he. It just is put his out? debut album, Live Forever. I don't know if he's an Oasis fan or not, but <laughs> right. I can't help but think about that one with that yeah. album title. But he got on the radar, my radar, earlier this year because he his first EP he released is called Say Goodbye to Pretty Boy, and I recognized that title. I was like, say goodbye to pretty boy. Yeah. I was like, I know that title and I couldn't think of where until I looked at the track list and I'm like, these are all national songs. Mm. And uh, yeah, they're all national covers. His first EP done in like, that was sounds bad. His first release was a EP of national covers. And I read a thing with him and he he was talking about how he was like really sick of being the only black guy at a national show. (laughs) And like, how he, he he basically reinterpreted how he would you know make these songs and again that sounds like it's going to be bad but he does it with such grace and without straying too far from the song but still making it completely his own right and i'm still been listening to these covers of some of my favorite national songs what does he do on that ep what uh, songs he does uh lemon world okay all the wine Ooh. mr november so you do fake empire no he does uh stays away from that smart um, probably smart yeah about today oh okay it's a uh, really well done and then this album is just hits hard i mean there's so many different styles and genres on it he goes from like kind of almost having tv on the radio or foxing or like even like my wife was saying like, there's a thursday vibe once in a while in weird music. Like, uh but and then <laughs> the song i'm gonna play boomer is kind of it's not my favorite song on the album but i think it's a great introduction just to like kind of get you into this guy's vibe. i actually didn't listen to this oh this song is gonna be fun you sent it to me so i can't wait yeah, to hear yeah. It. yeah so um without too much more introduction about him this is a uh, barty strange with boomer hey bro hey bro hey bro look i'm the mat and that was way before i did the ziggies in the People are gonna 
shit dude <laughs> i fucking love that yeah it's great right i feel amped right now yes, i'm glad i didn't listen to this before that was a fun I one to hear here. like oh just, my god yeah that'll wake I you up right not at all expecting that yeah i was feeling kind of dreary and drollish before <laughs> i uh i heard that that okay what you said tv on the radio check yeah. thursday check and who else did you say um, Before, this band Foxing that, 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 that right. I like quite a bit um, that had a release in 2018 that kind of has some of that kind of vibe. Uh, that that that's a very strange and perfect amalgamation of a lot of different things. Yeah, it I has, love the genre breaking of this art. You know, just like feels like you can kind of do anything. Well, a lot of the verses definitely have hip hop verse vibes yeah, to and them. That's kind of the most. Well, there's a couple songs, but that's kind of the most hip hop. He kind of goes. Gotcha. The album. There's a lot more. Uh, acoustic-y songs and like but they're all really interesting production dude he had a, like a there's full, left turns everywhere he had like a barbecue blues breakdown towards yeah. the end of the tune like, what the fuck is up yeah that I is mean, cool what's that guy's name Bartiz strange and i believe what, his name is actually Bartiz cox but he goes by Bartiz Strange. what was that song called that song's called boomer i'm into that yeah and um the whole album's great my favorite song is uh flashy god um there's just all sorts of cool stuff so definitely check it out yeah. And check out the national cover, Say Goodbye to Pretty <laughs> Boy. That EP is awesome. I think well. I'm going to listen to that before I listen to his proper debut. I did, yeah, because I heard, I heard that for a while before I heard the debut. Um, starting your entire career with a four or five song EP of, like, of, a, Just, of an, a slightly obscure, successful band. Well, the national has become so much more than, I mean, I they guess are, they have, huh? They are like a Hollywood Bowl band. They are, yeah. They are massive. Also, now they're big, they, 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 they've got huge production credits yeah, amongst absolutely. their members. Everybody's done so right. much in that band now. I mean, Matt Berninger just put out a solo album a couple Is weeks ago. It's Matt berninger If you like him, you'll like it, but it's missing all the people from the National gotcha. that really lift him up so high. Right. You know? So as opposed to a lounge band, it's more lounge karaoke? Yeah, I mean, there's still. I mean, the instrumentation is still beautiful, but right. it's just not... There's something about the National... The, they're, their instrumentation sets them apart for and sure. his, lyri his lyricism is like the two things that yeah bring them to where they are as a band i'm so glad you brought that in yeah i'm like i'm like pooped after that dude for two minutes <laughs> i was happy i haven't <laughs> felt that way in almost a month and a half Ugh. let's uh let's continue but actually before we get to the list of mania top 10 mistakes that you could possibly make being a self-involved egotistical musician asshole right um let's get into maybe the one thing you can do for yourself in your career that's beneficial uh such as tracking a really great new album uh, yeah and do you want to 
It, yes, I, I mean, I was gone last week, all of last week, uh-huh. in Stinson Beach at Panoramic Studios. Just unbelievable destination recording place with my band, Giant Waste of Man, and a couple super producers, friends of ours, this guy Bobby Cheeks and Scott Mercado. It was quite the experience. I, I mean, bet it was. <laughs> you look rejuvenated. I, you look regenerated. Yeah. You look refreshed. A lot of rees. A lot got, of rees. You got all the rees. I shaved, too. I, I had a mustache for one of our Halloween costumes out there. Which was? The Lighthouse. Them. It was me and Ben were at the Lighthouse, Robert Pass and William Defoe. You're I mean, we crushed a, it. You're we such an it. art house freak, bro. That's just for... What are you talking about? That's A24. <laughs> that's like the most trendy... I guess that's not art house anymore. No, yeah. not anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, got out there and um, just incredible studio. You stay out there. You know, there's like a tower that... I stayed at the top of what? That, yeah. Oh, you stay on ground. Yeah, definitely. I oh, mean, I you, no there's idea. no, there's nothing around there. The whole studio has a view of the beach, of the bay. I know. Thanks for FaceTiming me from it that one day as I was. I was like, he's got to see this. Al's got to see this. Thanks for that. I mean, I was so happy to see your face and the beautiful view uh, of the cliffside overlooking the rolling waves but at the same time i was just screaming fuck you cam <laughs> fuck you it was way it was insanely picturesque you know i had to i had to get some people that i loved like yourself give them a phone call i had to see, to see it. it did do you believe that that uh that type of s- scenario or scenery actually aided or assisted in the recording process i do because you get so swept up by the setting, yeah. you know, and, and you make decisions in the moment that is, you know, or changes that are okay because, you know, you're just living in the moment. Right. And you're not like, I got to go home after this. And think, <laughs> right. And think yeah. about whether those demos are any good. Actually, for know? the listener who hasn't ever been in a nice studio or taken time uh, out of their lives to be in a room to make something, why don't you talk about the studio experience for a second? Like, how does it feel to you when you walk into a live room for the first time for a week I mean, this place was just like, you know, kid in the candy store. Right. You know, I'm running over and like, as soon as we walk in, they have this, it's this piano that's like kind of the centerpiece. It's by a company called Razor, R-A-Z-O-R. Um, I'm, I'm unfamiliar. Me too. Or Fra- yeah, Fraser, Razor. I can't even remember exactly, but it's just this muted piano that's just like, really dampened and just playing it is a dream it's just yeah. and you know you just look at the you look at the ocean and play so that weird that razor scooters got into piano I think building it's fraser fraser or I, th- it, I don't think it's a razor i think fraser sounds fraser familiar. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> razor yeah razor scooters <laughs> so cam why don't you talk about the studio experience oh yeah i sat we were down on razor scooters yeah. that actually is what it's like to record at record plant in los angeles <laughs> they give you your own razor scooter with your personalized license plate i know that sounds crazy That's but the insane. rappers get really pissed if they don't have their own oh you gotta have your razor yeah, yeah. so anyway uh, so the gear list uh, for you know for yeah. the the noob out there so for the anyway layman. in the in the live room there's that there's vibraphones there's yeah. glockenspiel right there's uh, another piano there's you know the drum setup there's a triad of Wurlitzer Rhodes and like a string machine uh, and then down in the control room is like their synth bay where they have all the different synthesizers Junos Profits all sorts of stuff and what I immediately grab you know little fatties I grab the Mellotron oh, of the course white Mellotron yep. tra- Chamberlain. Oh my God, the they Chamberlain's had, incredible. Is Dude, all over our recordings. The they, string sounds on that specific. Well, it's piece amazing because you can blend two yeah, sounds. The like my favorite oh was my a low string sound mixed with bass clarinet. 
I was I was just jamming on that. All I was week. doing a record with someone last year, and they had one of those in the studio, and was, that was that was like the centerpiece of my entire. I couldn't experience. stop, and I had my profit on top of it, so it was just so masturbatory gear wise. I mean, just like, <laughs> oh, this. Is How many things can I chain together yeah. right now? And then you know the control room's downstairs, right? So, um, and it's kind of its own vibe, and right by the woods there. It's oh. not as like ocean. It's like right in the woods area. And, you know, it's like a big API oh, board, all the outboard gear you need, all sorts of... We ran a bunch of stuff through tape machines. I mean, super nerdy stuff. Of course, yeah. Like, we were running piano we were recording upstairs through the tape machine. And That's why you get a room it. like that, though, is yeah. to do super nerdy stuff. Oh, like, yeah, and we, if, did, we did it up good. If it you're going to spend the money to book out a room, I mean, otherwise... I mean, as, we had drums in two different uh, sections, like what songs we did because we had a drum set up, A, in one part of the live room, right. and then there was a drum set up B, which is a completely which is different, a completely field. different setup with yeah. him facing the ocean for that one. So he got oh. Brandon, their drummer, got two days just drumming at the ocean. Oh my god! Which, it's gonna sound like a yellow card record. <laughs> <laughs> we do cover Ocean Avenue. <laughs> I was waiting for it. Yeah, I, I did the strings myself. On is the that Maltron. on your? <laughs> is that on your top ten pop punk songs? It's on yours. I can tell already. Five, yeah, you see me blushing. Yeah. Shit. Yep. Yep. Cam, I'm so happy that you got to do that. And yeah, it was, it was, I mean, we only got, you know, drums, bass, some lead guitar, anything that we couldn't get not there, but still just an incredible amount of stuff that we got done for an album. I can't wait to listen to the record. And if you haven't, if you guys are out there listening and you haven't listened to Giant Waste of Man's first record, Cam, what's that record called? It's called The Politics of Lonely. Lonely. Um, please go listen to that right now and get prepared for the next one because the creative child between Cameron Demetric and Ben Haywood is definitely something to be said. Yeah, and about. now it's different because we have uh, Heather as well, right. Ben's wife, Ben's and wife. Brandon playing drums, so it's more of a full-fleshed-out band. Brandon and then Hardy this... is one of my favorites. I've actually asked him to play drums for me like seven times, and he said <laughs> no every time. Yeah, so He's thanks, busy. Brandon. Yeah. Um, and then we had Bobby Cheeks and Scott Mercado, and Bobby and Scott play with Ben in another project called Dream Demon. Oh, yeah. Ben was telling uh, me that well, I should be they, excited to hear that record. They actually recorded out there before. So oh, they cool. kind of had the land. And Bobby records there all the time. It's Bobby came up at a place called The Hangar in Sacramento. I remember The Hangar. Where Ben Heather's old band Summer Darling had recorded. But he started kind of entering there and then getting on the boards. And then after a while, he was recording projects there. And then he kind of got a break doing Band of Horses album. Oh, wow. Like was that everything all the time? No, no. A later album. Gotcha. Um, but still is like, so he's gotten consistent work all the time. And then we were able to get him for this week and he's coming back down to help us finish the second half. And then Scott is a San Diego musician who, um, plays in the black heart procession. He has his own project called Manu OK. Um, he plays in the color 49, just like a lot of great. And, uh, so San you Diego trusted project. the team on, yeah, this, and, on this project. And, yeah, he's a like a beautiful piano player. Yeah. So he did like he added some piano interludes and stuff to Oh, you some, guys have interludes on the record? Well, just kind of like end of song yes, things and like things that kind of come in and out and he just added like we had a, if we had a song where Ben was like I don't want an acoustic guitar, like let's have Scott play piano, piano instead and yeah. it was just unbelievable stuff. So, I mean, I can't quite wait. the experience. I can't wait to continue to work on the album and yeah. finish it, but I have all the time in the world right now, you know. I'm not rushing. What are you anything. talking about? You, you've you've got a show next week, don't you? All right, I think I think I said enough about Stinson. I, Are you sure you don't experience. want to talk about it anymore? Because I feel like I don't know. I, I I don't want to feel like I'm over here just gushing and bragging about having a week away while people are all. What do you mean you out. don't want to feel that way? That's exactly what you're doing. Right. Well, okay. I, won't, I want to stop doing it. <laughs> uh, for those out there who don't know, though, it's 
it's a really incredible experience to um, be quote unquote be a musician and in yeah. the age of technological progression where we can emulate sounds and rooms and do most of it at home um, to actually go into a historic place that other records have been tracked in of yeah. yesteryear and um, become a part new. of the architecture. It, it's from it's opening around 2015, 16. That's it. I mean, it, but so there's far, already been, been records like, done. There. My morning jacket did both their latest albums. The waterfalls, there. the waterfalls, yeah. one, two, um, the OCs, uh, big thief. There's been a big lot thief of, did a record there. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure which one, but I saw that they were part of it too. Um, you guys listening, if again, if you're layman's or if you're not musicians or if you haven't ever tracked into the studio, the, your favorite records that you guys still listen to out there sound that way because it was tracked in a very specific location. Most yeah. And of I had, I hadn't had a chance to do like a destination recording like that since um, my old band, Vonna Prosta in like 2009, we went to Supernatural in Portland, which is similar. It's, it's right. a forest setting. Yeah. Um, Kind of the opposite control room upstairs, live room downstairs. Did you guys do geometry there? We did a first draft of it. That's gotcha. That's classic. I can't wait for that one to come out from the vaults. Yeah, (laughs) it's great actually. Uh, Josh Goodwin produced it up there with us. Now he's a Justin Bieber and all sorts. He's got like seven Grammys, seven hundred Grammys. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get him on the pod one day. He'll come on. Oh, I bet he will. He will. He's a great guy. but yeah, so it was it was just one for the books, you know. I can't. I'm so happy for you. Um, yeah. So. So not only have you not invited me to your wedding, but now do you think you I was going to invite you to this recording? I thought you would. You would at least say, "Hey, bud, if you want." What would you have to offer besides musicianship? Oh, dude, I wouldn't have done anything. I would have <laughs> driven up and been like, "Yo, what's up." And then I probably would have turned back around. I would have driven eight or nine hours just to say that I came to at least one magnificently <laughs> monumental thing in your life. I missed you, obviously. Oh, I, sure. I FaceTimed you. Sure. Of course you, you, I missed you. You, you know did. I missed you. You, you actually fa- no. kind of saved the end of the session. No, You I actually didn't. did. No, I did Because you told me, write a list of what you guys need to accomplish that you can only accomplish up there. Do you have a list? And I was like, I oh, probably should. And you're like, make one right now when you get off the phone. And me and Ben did. As soon Fuck as I got yeah. the phone. And that's, that's the we got only, it all off the list. The only time anyone's ever listened to me and the only time it's ever worked what out. What are you talking so. about? It is number five. <laughs> but it is now number fucking Don't say 15. the name okay. of the band. <laughs> all right, let's get to the list. Yeah, let's this get, yeah, exhausting. let's, yeah, okay. All right. So... We are dealing with today. Do you want to take a stab at explaining this? I think you're better at explaining. You, you have your long emo name for the <laughs> list, right? Okay, yeah. I mean, this is... I also feel like I'm going to sound angry today because I'm going to retrace some mistakes that, again, I've made or that others have made on my behalf right. to ruin things for me and yeah, the, for my cohorts in the group. This is similar to therapy. More similar to therapy More than simil- a podcast. Yeah, definitely. And also, let it be known here that... I, I don't think either of us feel like we're 100% right on these things. No, this no, is we're, more, not, we're not preaching at right. you. This we're is observational. This, 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 is... This, these, this list, these things are things that we've come across ourselves or seen others do uh, much to their demise. Um, so I guess we can just call it 
you know, musicians' mistakes, or AKA fucking noob, go back to Arkansas to accept your fate and assume control of your calloused father's landscaping empire as your dream will never be realized. Wow, that was oddly specific to my life. <laughs> that one hurt a bit. That yeah. one stung. Yeah, well, this it's gonna be it's gonna be one one hell of a uh, self defamatory. Just by the intro, I'm worried about this one. It's gonna be great, dude. Let's get into get it. Get into it. I'm going to go ahead and say, even though this could be number one for me, and and for the the listener, the way we're doing the list is ten, maybe being the not the most common or or most forgivable mistake. One being kind of like, don't do this yes, if you ever want to be happy. No-no. Yes, yeah. Um, fall victim to the vanity feast of being almost solely an Instagram band. That's Oof. my number 10. Nice. That's like, a good one. Focusing Very modern, too much. Like yeah. Focusing way too much on social media. All of it on social media. I just feel like art suffers when enticed by superficial popularity as well. You're talking about bands that do like the nine Instagram squares every time they have a song out. And like, that, but I'm also And you go to their about, Instagram and they're like, they used to have 300 posts. Now they ripped them. It's all different. Their it's band all different. different. The yeah, art's different. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Um, it's that, but I think it's, I mean, we can involve Spotify in this too. It's not just Instagram. It's just being a metric band, mm-hmm. which there's a few other things on my list that touch upon that. But, and obviously there, there's another part of this list that's like desperately trying to be an industry plant. Like, look at me, my design is right. Like, like, it's, and that's just, yeah, just vanity. it is masturbatory, but also it's like, you're, you're not let, if you're a band you can call yourself a brand or an influence the influencer these days, but you're also not a model. You're supposed to be a fucking musician, right? You know, and I know it has to be, but that word brand sets know, me off. I know it's I just, it's so tri- it's triggering for me. Yeah, too. I have a really hard time with it. Um, it's just like I, I don't know. I feel like bands that focus too much on Instagram have an overall shelf life, or focus too much on data or metrics as is like Mm. you kind of pigeonhole yourself into this thing more of a again hate saying this world more of a brand than a band and there's a fine line between the two these days right uh what's your 10 10 i have you don't need a manager until you have something to manage there we go that's that's on my list too but much higher on the list for me well yeah i mean i'd say this from experience but yes I see a lot of bands that have locally, or I did, you know, again, this is all pre-COVID, this whole mm-hmm. conversation, yeah, so we it, don't have it, to keep it, saying that. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, I saw a lot of bands that were like, well, let me, uh, I'll get a check with my manager. I'm like, about being first to three uh, <laughs> right. an Echo residency? At lot one. Yeah. yeah. Or like, yeah, yeah. even, yeah, it's just, until you, I just feel like the more DIY aspect you go until you can't is beneficial for everyone. For sure. Everyone involved, because you don't, unless it's somebody that's always been with the band, you know, that's always the success stories there. Like the Strokes had one of their best friends. Of course. Like who was going to school to like be a manager anyway, you know, like start with them and Mm -hmm. never left, you know, and that kind of success story is awesome. Incredible. Good for them. Dude, that's Disney-esque. Rarely You know, that's that's very There's the, we have a manager and it's like, oh, you mean your friend that helps you carry the gear who has no connections whatsoever? (laughs) Or we have a manager and it's like, okay, you guys got a manager for what reason? The person gets 10, 15% and what do you do? You guys are barely playing paid shows. Yeah, 20% of nothing is still nothing. Yeah. Um, Rarely does the friendager work out. Yeah, it's always a bummer. I've it's a huge. I've bummer. had a yeah. I've had a bummer bummer times with. That. I've had super bummer times yeah. with friendagers. We're not going to go into too many specifics. No, 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 no. We should not name anyone. No, here. No, 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 no. We're not going to name but anyone we, today. Yeah, we've all we've all been either burned or had to burn. Yes. 
Yeah. Uh, and usually at the same time. Yeah. Like when you feel like you've you're now being charred by this person and you've lost not only your friendager but your friend. Things that rarely come back from that. I will say one certain band that I was in um, had one certain type of that kind of manager. Uh-huh. And we all decided that it was time for us to tell them. And so where did we go? We all went to Birds <laughs> on Franklin, <laughs> right? And we none of us could approach it. Yeah. So we just got drunk and ate apps for like hours there. And you didn't tell them that we he did, had lost We did, but it job. took forever. And by the time it was... I want to ask you who finally came out with it, but then that would obviously signify what band we're talking about. So should we talk about what we came here to talk about? (laughs) (laughs) And there it is. After you guys are wasted and well-fed. I mean, that's getting fired on a Friday, dude. Yeah, exactly. Number Um, nine. Okay, number nine. Follow genre trends. How many friends... And how many bands Ooh, have we one. seen in Los Angeles do exactly that? Uh, and it last just, year, I'm um, pretty sure you guys were electronic. This year, you guys were <laughs> suspenders. You got an ox tom out there. <laughs> right. Dude, if you don't make it as a pop-turned-grunge-turned-electro-turned-indie-turned-R&B artist, you're most likely just never going to make it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And. You should, I, I like that's, this is a hard conversation for people like you and I, because our, our genre obsessions kind of span the board here. Mm -hmm. You know, we listen to hip hop as much as we listen to jazz and, and metal as much as we listen to indie. We listen to everything. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So there's all, there's probably a natural propensity within us to make a record of all of the genres that we love so much within the same project. Yeah. Um, but there's certain ones you just got to stay away from. Some ones you got to stay away from also (laughs) mixing or, uh, having adoration of genres like just that that uh, that Bartle Strange Barty song, Strange Barty yeah. Strange song we just listened to has four different genres in it yeah and he can make it all on this on under one roof on the same record continuously throughout that project without like re oh, here we go with that fucking word again rebranding himself I, <laughs> every time. They just or he decides or the band decides that it's time for them to progress or try something new, Mm -hmm. you know. And that you're not Madonna, you're not reinventing yourself, yeah. Like, just stick with what you're good. Something on my list kind of has a similar thing about playing to your strengths, so yes. All right, let's get to your number nine. Uh, publicists are snake oil Ah! salesmen, (laughs) (laughs) ain't that the goddamn truth? Publicists are snake oil salesmen, they definitely uh, are. Unfortunately, that's probably not true for some people. I'm sure there's people out there that had some great publicists that got them on fucking pitchfork, and that was it. And hey, we for the publicists listening, which they're probably not, we know you have a publicist aren't gonna listen to it, they can't even show up to the shows. How are they gonna (laughs) listen listen to the podcast? podcast They go to South by to drink, yes, and we know your job is hard. We know you guys. Talk to a publicist. You're like, I didn't see anyone this year. I'm yeah. like, well, that's why I'm here. Right, exactly. <laughs> Let's talk about that for a second, and that's much higher on my list. So I'm going to okay. touch it when I hit that. Yeah. Too. Uh, I mean, I've had some PR runs that start okay. Oh yeah, they always start okay. You know, maybe the blog, kind of a blog you wanted that maybe you could have got yourself, but that you do want to get on. Right. And you're like, okay, that's pretty cool. And then they coast. Yeah. 
I mean, because they've done that one thing. Yeah. But chances are, you have paid them anywhere between five three month run, usually two to three month run. They charge usually, and they do one thing. Dog, you're looking at like close to five thousand dollars for something like yeah. that. You I know, mean, I've yeah, we've paid two to five in different yeah. bands. You're paying anywhere between five hundred to five thousand dollars for publicity as a baby band. And you at, know, I'm not a publicist. I don't know no. what the work involved in. It is a gam. It is a chance game. It's like a gamble. It really is. I mean, it really. I think comes down to if like the connections like you as of a course person. yeah and most publicists that i've worked with i could see how they could maybe be unlikable also <laughs> oh my god i've met two publicists out of the twenty five thousand three hundred and twenty six that i've met that i really enjoy and i still talk to them yeah um but okay let's talk about how difficult their job can be for a second okay. so let's say Let's say it's a utopian scenario. Mm-hmm. You got a good publicist who's really nice. People like them. Their connections like them. Also, the publicist just took on a project where the product is fucking choice. Okay. So everything's working out, right? right. Um, when that publicist picks up another group, maybe even just to pay the bills that month, and reapproaches the same blogs, publications, contacts with something that's more subpar than their last submission, they're also putting their own reputation on the Absolutely. line. Absolutely. So as a publicist, you have to decide, am I going to be liked or am I going to be paid? And you can't win them all, dude. You know what that's I mean? That's absolutely true. Unless you're a publicist with like, you know, a pre-established roster or you work for a label of whom you trust to hand you good artists. Mm-hmm. Like if you're just try- scrapping, trying to make your name as a publicist from the, the lower part of the totem pole, that's got to be a lot of sacrifice, dude. For I sure. can't imagine what that feels like. Yeah, it's just you're dealing with actual people, yeah. you know, and that that's... That's tough. I wouldn't want to be a publicist. Fuck but, no. But so, yeah, that's my number nine. Okay, number eight, moving swiftly along. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny just talking about what you went through the past week. Unnecessarily large recording budgets uh, <laughs> believed to be recoupable. You know, a lot of people, say if you're going to book a studio like Stinson or East West or Ocean Way or, you know, some of these yeah. Californian studios that we've been well, in like over the, one, the years. The one I was in, you know, that's... I'm not sure exactly, but it's not like the L.A. studios that right. go from two to 2,500 a day. That's a lot. Yeah. But a lot of people, obviously, we uh, um, as artists, we would like to believe in ourselves and our product and our writings and arrangements. A lot of people do have the misconception, though, that if we spend this much money at this, this revered, renowned studio, it's going to sound that much better. And certainly sell more. Therefore, we shouldn't even really about the really worry about the upfront costs because we're going to make this back on this record. And then ten to twenty thousand dollars later, you're looking at. I mean, you're listening back to your record, and you're like, "Yeah, this sounds great," but there's there's no way I'm going to make back even a fourth of this money. That I mean, I've spent sadly, on. luckily, a lot of bands don't have to deal with they don't that have to worry kind about of that, worry yeah. anymore because they're not going to get any sort of situation to do that. But as somebody who worked in recording studios in Los Angeles for yeah. years, I will say a lot of uh, higher tier hip hop projects waste a shitload of time oh my God, in expensive yeah. studios. Dude, like, why yeah. would you spend that much Another money? certain studio in LA, a, a friend of mine was an engineer there. I believe you know this person too. And he would say that Psy, 
the Gangnam style right. guy. They'd smoke, what they'd smoke cigarettes in the studio. No cigars. He cigars. would he would book That's out so disrespectful. He'd book out all three of the control rooms. It's like only yo, use Pet one. Sounds was made here. It, don't, don't smoke cigars. Please don't smoke cigars Not next cool. to this vintage console in a room in a live room with all of this. Well, paneling. luckily, what he made there is something that we all still listen to today. Gangnam style. <laughs> I was no, listening I'm to it on saying, the way over like, here. Nobody no, nobody <laughs> listens to this guy anymore, and he maybe ruined the gear in a he probably studio. ruined something, but he paid for it. That's for fucking sure. <sighs> I also feel like the unnecessarily large recording budgets to it kind of it when you book a studio that a lot of other artists have been attached to, it kind of brings this false hope or promise like, oh my God, we're doing it in the Frank Sinatra room. Right. Like people are gonna want to listen to this because we did this in the it Frank does. Sinatra and, and room. And that that kind of feels good. It's like a little bit of serotonin boost when you are it in It feels good when you're actually present with it in the studio. But I mean, to the believe big thing that for someone like me, when I'm at Stinson yeah. and I'm recording in that room and I go back and forth in the control room. What I feel like is I feel like I'm an artist. Of course. And that yes. f- feels rare these days, especially in So COVID, much more like, rare, yeah. You know, I rarely feel like this is my job anymore, yeah. you know. And when it does, you know, all day long, you know, it just, you feel like you're doing something that people are going to care about. Yeah. Because you are letting yourself be fully immersed in it. Of course. You know? What's number eight for you? Number eight, we got get a lawyer, even if it's temporary. For any major contracts, especially sinks and licenses. Goddamn, Cam. That is some really, really good advice. Because obviously in these days, it, oh, more than getting a label or yeah. an agent right uh, now. Uh, what does obviously. that mean? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you want sinks. You want publishing. You want licensing. And it's so fucking confusing. Oh, yeah. The, the whole animal, the mm-hmm. music business jargon of publishing and licensing is so hard. You have to be registered. You have to like, right. you know, there's... There's songwriter credits. There's yes. there's the publishing. There's, there's a lot of red tape that you have to work there's through. There's percentages and if you're not a percentage, professional. Yeah, if you don't yeah. know what you're looking at, it's like it can really fuck you. I mean, this is not terribly uncommon, but an example. Sure. I was with a certain in a certain band. I was mm-hmm. with a certain sync company. Right. And th- with their deal, they if we got a, a sync, they'd get forty percent. We get sixty percent. Okay. But if we got a sync that they didn't get us, like on our own, they still get 25%. So they're basically just buying out. They're, they're kind of, they're, they're buying you out as an entire brand. Right. At that yeah, point. it's kind of like buying, I guess you're publishing. But, right. so we did end up getting a, a sync for quite a bit of money from like, I think it was a Jonas Brothers e-entertainment show. Oh, wow. Uh, and they hit us up directly. Like in in our email, yeah, and we got that sync, but we had to pay twenty five percent. Yeah, that's insanity. And you know, that's part of that's. I think that's pretty common in these deals. That but is it's common, stuff like yeah. that that like is just what you don't know, right? And like if you don't know that kind of thing, that could really piss you off. Oh, well, when it hits you without yeah. your knowledge, yeah, yeah, you you feel bamboozled because you've been swindled. Yeah, or you feels that way. It's like, well, you signed this, but you know, so like, right? Even if you temporarily have a lawyer look something over, if right. you. Young bands, I know you're all going for syncs. That makes the most sense. It is what you want. Of course, there's so much Netflix shows that need yeah. music. The, it's an endless amount of content that needs soundtrack. And it's the only real money. It, it takes is. nine months to get it. But yeah. <laughs> yes. It is the only real money when there's no touring yeah. right now. So just make sure, just spend a little money if you have to, if you have somebody who just freaking pass the bar. It's worth it on the front it. end. Yeah. And you can find an entertainment lawyer who's not charging you too much hourly. Yeah. And you just, know. yeah, just get that thing looked at. Damn, dude. That's incredible. That's, I think people needed to hear that. Yeah. 
Um, I hate lawyers, even though they've kept me out of jail. So I didn't even put that on my list. <laughs> right. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, God, this is so cliche. What are we on? Seven? Yeah, you're number seven. My number seven is in it for any other reason than the art itself is mm, a big mistake as big far time. as I'm concerned. But again, it feels cliche. Of course, this timeless purist you know sentiment should be at the number one on any list like this one uh or any list with more of a moral compass but i'm putting it here because there are countless artists out there who could really care less about the art they're making right they're still very successful but that they're i mean it's kind of like that old thing like you had a buddy who got into a, a rock band because he just wanted ass Right. You know, like that type of thing. And you can hear that through the yeah. music. You and can you hear can, that like, communication. Live, they're like punching the clock up there. You're like, right. oh, come on. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and that's, I think that also ties in to the Instagram thing that I was talking about earlier. Yeah. Like so many bands or artists or projects or whatever you want, musicians lose their way in this, this again, masturbatory thing where it's like, oh, well now I'm getting this social interaction online because of this music, but the music's become the afterthought and I'm going to place all of my creative talents or wherewithal into making this social page curated to keep right. people on the hook for my well, persona. Put out about one song a year. Exactly. And it's all about persona versus product. Like yeah. are people in love with me because of my product or are they in love with me because they think they know who I am because I'm feeding them what they think they know about me. I feel like my number seven is kind of in line with yours. Let's talk about it. Uh, it's similar. I, I have have a have a discuss a pre-discussed vision, both creatively and with power dynamic and hierarchy. Like yes, like are you in a band with someone where the lead singer writes the songs right. and writes what you do? Do right. you know that? Mm -hmm. You know, are and if so, are you getting paid? <laughs> do you know that is a really big question. Yes, and like, or are you in a band where everybody writes? If so, good luck, but like, that's yeah, awesome. have fun with um, that. But like, you got to, and also, what kind of music are you making? You know, exactly right. like, you maybe not need to have that discussion immediately, but no. like, at a certain point, it's like, what do we want to sound like? You yeah. Know? Even I've, been in the mistake where a band goes into the studio to record and has no preconceived vision of what right. they want exactly the recordings Every, and everyone's kind of smorgasbord about it yeah the, then, so many different then opinions are coming out you haven't right. you know the discussion about what you want to even look like you know it's not a bad I, I feel like it seems vain but if you're in a band like discuss what you guys want to look like absolutely you know the, no that's not i don't vain. think that's that's, I, that's part of I the package think, i feel like that's kind of like Maybe an old macho thing like, oh, we don't want really to talk about it. But like these days, like if you want to, like you got to have a look. Like I yes. think the look of a band is more exciting and more something to focus on than the design of the Instagram page. Do you think you the know? white stripes would have gotten anywhere at all if they didn't have their color scheme? I mean, it's so iconic. It know? is very it's, iconic. And it's synonymous with the group now, too. Yeah. So like the fact you, you, you don't have to it's it doesn't have to be a gimmick. Mm. The only thing that makes your project a gimmick is if you are a fucking gimmick. Yeah. You know, if you're I not mean, being a, at all honest through your songwriting or, you know, tr transparent through your art or your creativity, it's going to show and mm. people are going to know. The personality that. of a band's important as well. The personality is super important of a band. Also, I I cannot tell you how great of a list uh input that was. I mean, it, it's it's difficult for people in bands because, you know, us being egomaniacal creatures, um 
you know, the opinions get very combative. Yeah. And to have a simple, emotionally vulnerable conversation with your friend that you're in a group with or your cohort or whatever you want to call them um, and just be like, hey, what do you need from me? And what can I offer? Mm -hmm. And also, if you're a leader of the group to say, like, I need you to back me up as opposed to, you know, cut me down or try to contribute yeah. too much. Or if I say, hey, I need this specific thing from you, you have to be okay with that. Right. Um, because otherwise, you're right. The vision is skewed at that point. Things become... Uh, it just feels like bobbing for creative apples at yeah. that point. And that's while you're in a studio or you're, while you're trying to cement this bond between either a songwriter and their songs or a band with one another, <laughs> you can't have that getting in the way. Right. Because that will split you from the inside. Exactly. What are we on? Six. Um, oh, wow. This is something that I'm guilty of. Uh, even right now in my life, and have been incredibly guilty of in the past, sit on unreleased material waiting for a knight in shining armor to write up on a deal. <laughs> um, and what I mean by that Man, is... Man, that's awesome. Isn't it? And isn't oh. it just such a common mistake that we all make? Like yeah. We make something, and we think, holy fuck, this is good. This definitely deserves you know, a set of ears on it. Mm -hmm. So we kind of sit around sending it to people waiting for someone to bite. Um, or on the flip side of that, even if it has nothing to do with the industry itself, it's more or less like, when is the right time to put this right, out? Yeah. Which we can make excuses for ourselves and our music as the day is long. Like, no, it's not the right time because of this. I mean, that is what a manager will tell you over and over, you know, timing is everything about like, you know, you got to have the buzz and the ramp up, and it's got to come out at the perfect time. I'm hoping that those rules no longer apply. They definitely don't. This they, I mean, they don't apply right now. But when everything comes back, I'm hoping that that part of the charade mm -hmm. is less important than it ever has been. I agree. Just put it out and be proud of who you are. That's all I got to say. Yeah. Like, if you make something, if you spend all of this time writing and recording and mixing and mastering and feeling good about it, just put it out. Also, the deal that you're going to get on that record that you think deserves a deal or deserves like a much more elaborate push than you are able to do by self-releasing is going to be a bad deal yeah. that isn't going to give you... Money that would even recoup your expenses for making this very expensive piece of art. Um, and it's probably going to be like a, a, a very lackluster distro deal that wouldn't do much for you over self-releasing and feeling good about the release itself. What's uh, your six? I got don't do oxys or heroin. Okay, that's great. Opiates. Definitely not the best thing to do. Uh, within an exchange, yeah, in a band, and an I know, artistic exchange. Yeah, I know there's examples of you know some of the greatest artists in history that were on junk when they made the greatest things ever. But I could probably figure there's probably about twenty thousand examples of, of it ruining it not somebody. working. Yeah, definitely. So I mean, that's kind of a also, double. Also, are we sword. done glamorizing that? Like, yeah, are we it's done? Just, it's it's got to be like it's just in this time where everything's so oversaturated. Like yeah. we don't even have time for that. No, we behavior, don't. We don't. Know? Yeah. You have to be a responsible you gotta, adult. You got to scratch and claw to <laughs> yeah. get anywhere as a band. Like you can't just be carried around and all these, you know, hear the stories of these great artists being all junked out or whatever. It's like they had a team of people like holding them up. Right. You know, and like pro great producers. Babysitting like, them. We'll do yeah. it when he leaves. You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> or people writing parts for them 
just to, or filling their position in the group just to get through whatever tribulation they were experiencing on opiates and getting no credit for it on the back end, which is crazy. Ghost writers. Yeah, dude. I just think we have to be, culturally, we have to be done with glorifying excessive drug use. I don't know. It does feel like more oxys than heroin these days, or like, um, what is it that's killing everyone? The fentanyl. fentanyl. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to be a drug addict to be an artist. For yeah. anyone that needs to hear that out there right now, you do not have to be that. Like yeah, you, you don't do. have to identify with anything to be an artist. The only thing you have to identify with is yourself mm-hmm. and what you have to say, as long as it's a truth. You know, Lincoln Park never did drugs. <laughs> yeah, well, we saw how that turned out. <laughs> bad example. Bad example. Really no, I just, bad. I just example. heard that fact recently, and I'm like, for some reason, that fact is really weird to me. <laughs> it is really strange. Also, I'm not surprised. <laughs> Neither. I'm like, I don't. I just never thought about. There would have been more abstraction to their work if they would have taken drugs. It wouldn't have been so blatant. Like, yeah, I think, I'm gonna kill myself. Well, I think, I think the blatantness is what made them so popular. I I heard about it because I recently heard that hybrid theory their debut album which came out a month <laughs> fucking after. 20 years 25 years 20, 30 20 years, years ago 20 years ago Jesus uh, is Christ. the highest selling rock album of, of all time this century oh so my far. god of course i bought hybrid theory did you, you yeah son of, a bitch. of course i bought hybrid theory dude <laughs> i didn't i didn't i, well, I think i downloaded three songs from homie Limewire. you are a decade older than i am i'm like two years older <laughs> <laughs> of course i brought hybrid theory yeah, 20 years ago, which would have made me 12. Come on, dude. I was fucking 12. Okay, fine. Cut yeah. me some slack. I do. Yeah, yeah. You guys, you added to it. You added to the pile, to the money pile. That oh, yeah. Sweat. I wish I wouldn't have. What yeah. do you got for five? Uh, five is, well, mine is spending too much money on publicity. Oh, I put that. I put that mid-list. Honestly, sometimes I want to put that at number one. I know. That's I one of the first this. things I thought of when you Talk about triggering. List. Yeah, that's something that really triggers me. Yeah, um, I'm like, what a waste of money. And I just, I want to touch on a few things about it. Like, okay, it's obviously both important and necessary to accrue a portfolio of features as you're starting out so that larger publications will start approaching you as opposed to you knocking down their doors but handing over a chunk of change that would be better spent on literally anything Mm -hmm. else recording gear touring etc just so that a quote-unquote staff writer sometimes you don't even get the writer you just get staff writer uh, can preload some bland specifics about a project like a game of typical band Mad Libs like we'll likely get you you nowhere when you, you write like a blurb about something, you know, like a song, maybe right. a premiere or something. The, the publicist is like, yo, can you, the, the blog wants to put it, but can you write a blurb? Yeah, what and does the it blog mean? Re- verbatim says, just puts that just, blurb. Just copies and And then, pastes. like, there's a picture. Yeah. And you're like, well. <laughs> that was $1,000 exactly. well spent. Thanks. I now have two more likes on my Facebook and maybe 10 more listeners monthly. The on only comments Spotify. on this is people being like, they didn't really say much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is there anything else to know about the band? And again, maybe this will change when the landscape shifts, which it's obviously inevitably going to. But until then, we love you publicists. We know your job is hard, but let's think of a different way to approach this from here on out. To spend that money. Yeah. Uh, which goes into my... Number five, invest seriously in your transportation. Yes. You're probably going to be touring constantly if you're doing well. And yeah, that $1,000 van that somebody has, you know, 
200,000 miles on it, but the owner says, I'd drive it to New York right now. That's probably not your best bet. That's not your best bet. If yeah, if the guy's selling happens, it to you, you get up to Mount Shasta on your first tour and the transmission completely blows and out. And then you've got about three to five thousand dollars worth of repairs in that thousand right. dollar van you just bought, as opposed to just buying a van for fucking five thousand dollars. And because you don't want to miss the Portland show, you guys all jump in a you can't miss the Portland show. <laughs> Poor guys. The rest of the band in the back of U Haul just pulling up that U Haul door when we got to Portland and they just all look like like, Death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you said that you're going to be touring a lot if you're doing well. Yes. Um, but even if you're not doing well, you're right. still supposed to be touring a yes. lot. That is still a thing. And I think that's actually going to become more of a thing when when everything is opened again. Yeah. Because the people who are going to be touring. That's the, the main hustle. Yeah, that is the main hustle. And if you're looking for good luck or good fortune or a good amount of money to come your way, anyone who's willing to give you money, a benefactor such as a label or a distribution company, once they see your extensive touring dates, even if it's playing fucking coffee houses and AA meetings, they don't give a shit. They see you can survive on the road. They see you can survive. They see that you already have at least 10 fans in whatever city that you know they're going to send you to next, right. and those ten fans, and uh, you and I have experienced this, you know, very much personally. We've seen, you know, a Columbus, Ohio. Your ten fans in Columbus turn into a hundred very quickly. Yeah, um, and um, a big thing just about the transportation is just if you have to rent until you can get something that's kind of not a piece of shit, do it. I yeah. mean, and also when you have the shitty van, if that's your only choice before you go on a tour, take it somewhere. Yeah. Make sure it's not about to do this or that because, I mean, I've broken down in in my oldest band. We broke down almost every tour, <laughs> almost every single one. It wouldn't be we a didn't good do tour a single without South breaking by, down. We didn't do a single South by without breaking down. Oh, for sure. One one year we blew the tire, put on the donut because we didn't know anything. And we're like, sweet, let's keep going. We're, we're, let's ride, baby. And then blew the donut about an hour down the road. Of this course. is all in the middle of West Texas, of course. Perfect. In March. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I at the time we were just I think it's so hilarious that we put on the donut and we're like sweet we're good good to go patched up baby let's hit it <laughs> <laughs> so yes that's my number. invest in your transportation that is a very dude you're actually will you be my friendager <laughs> I'll tour manage yeah. uh, my number four is very simple ego and business interactions you got to fucking quell that shit yep. uh, very few people in this industry care about what you have to say or who you are or where you come from or the fact that you sold out the most popular 150 cap room you know in your hometown uh, so do your best to be humbled yeah. By the vast dragnet of the human experience. Take every opportunity with a fucking smile. Say thank you. Fuck it. Even send a thank you card, dude. Because you are not the fuck king of shit mountain. No one cares about you. No one cares about your music. The only reason that they're there is to either make money off of you or to help you out. And chances are people are more inclined to do either of those things if you're a nice person. Yep. Even if you're faking it. Just don't be an asshole for the sake of art. I pretty much have this one too. Yeah. Is that a higher on your list? Yes. Yeah. Because it's actually more important no, than it's, a it's, lot it's of similar. other things. It really is, dude. It's maybe one of the most important things. People will work with you if they like you as a person. Big time. Even if they do not like your product. Even if they wouldn't put you on casually or professionally. They wouldn't champion your name in social conversations. They don't give a fuck. They like the fact that you're around and they will do anything to make sure that 
you succeed. Yeah, if they believe in you as a musician and a person. Yeah. You know, it's it's they're excited about you. It's so important. Mine on that tip was be friendly to other bands. Yeah. Venue bartenders, oh club God, owners, yes. sound people, opening acts. These are your future networking contacts, your community. Dude, that is your future career. Yeah. It really is. It's because just, there's no reason to be a dick. And it's no. crazy how much you see it. Yeah, like you see playing. it so much. It's, maybe it's just a city like Los Angeles. I'm sure it's more rampant. Maybe we cities. are maybe jaded in this bubble, or at least but like, have yeah, been for too I see long. it a lot of times. I, I'd always try to go in as friendly as possible, and some bands are not interested in being friendly. No. Not at all. Which is okay. And also, you know, going back to that sure. touring I mean, bit, yeah. like you've had a hard time in the van, you've broken down, shit sucks, you got to a venue, there's 10 pre-sale tickets, why the fuck are we here, what am I doing, I should have been an engineer, I should have listened to my father, you know, like <laughs> so on and so forth. Oh, going but, back to that Arkansas and the landscape. Yeah, you gotta get, gotta start, you know, prepping for that landscape and <laughs> empire CEO <laughs> position. Um, but you know, if you're nice to that bartender in fucking Fayetteville, Arkansas, bringing Arkansas back, and you only sold two tickets the first night that you played there, but you were cool to that bartender and the bartender liked you, the bartender's going to tell their booker or their management, like, hey, I like these guys. Let's exactly. give them a Tuesday night. And then all of a sudden, your dead routing on your tour becomes an extra 250 to $300 that night to get you to the next city when you didn't have anything between two dates. Yeah. You know what I Good mean? Time. It's it all comes back around. It's very karmic. I think we're having it is, like it's karma break. Like, yeah. And how many times have you been or have you seen someone been shitty to a first of three band that ended up headlining, you know, two thousand cat totally. rooms, you know, just two years shortly thereafter. Yeah. Always be cool, man. Just don't be a fucking prick. Like yeah. we're we're talking about something that is at its base level entertainment for people anyways. Like as artists, we can call it whatever we want to. And being kind also kind of umbrellas like don't be that band that brings like first of three brings like your own light show and don't like, do that. you know like yeah. all this like like be cool with know people. the rules you know, man <laughs> there are some unwritten rules uh i guess m my number four give me your four my four would be a good tour manager and or yes sound person is your first great outside source it and really that, is yeah i mean like the first added part of the experience i feel like and that's more, more like if a friend can do it, I think it's better than than actual manager, like a tour manager, yes. just somebody else that can drive, right. that can maybe have an envelope full of receipts mm -hmm. from your gas, you know, that keeps track of the money you're making, that makes sure you're getting paid, right? You know, that's like the only thing they have to do that night is like go find the person, make sure that or to help out with merch, help out with merch, of course, like like the it's kind of a position that. If you have someone that can do it all, that's great. Yeah. If you have someone that can just do merch and some tour support, it's just that's also that's pay those first. people. Yeah, pay those people, and all, or you know, a lot of times when you're young, they, they like just like going on tour. Right. But just you know, I'll do it for you free. Can trust. Still give them money. Yeah. Still give them. Money. Yeah, because they are helping you, and I, I just think that's more important for a young band than a publicist or a manager yes. or trying to get an agent immediately. Like you just need someone that can help. To help you get out of a jam. Right. I also feel like there's a misconstruing of the team that you're supposed to have, the quote-unquote team. Like, as soon as we build our team, we're yeah. going to be able to take it from here. When it's funny, as you bring this up, a person like that, your utility person, your driver, tour manager, merch, you know, 
what money collecting mm-hmm. confidant on tour with you is the most important fucking person you'll ever have in your career yeah. because they're the ones uh-huh. actually looking out. Usually that's the person you can trust the most too. Exactly. So, yeah. There he is. God. That's a little piece of advice. That's you're giving really good advice to I like this one. This is good. Yeah, you're giving really good advice. So you got it's your three. Um having any expectations whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) And that has to be in my top three. That's fantastic. Because it feels necessary to talk about. Yeah. You know, it feels like people are getting into this. And listen, this isn't to say, God, I feel like sometimes I sound like such a fucking grandpa, but it, this isn't to say that you're not supposed to believe in yourself. Right. Or what you're doing or your message or your craft. But if you remove, if you can successfully remove expectations yeah. from the way you approach a situation, it changes the entire dynamic. If you're not doing this because you love it, then you, you've got you a fucking just, problem. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's the it's the wrong way. It just seems like hope and positivity are slippery slopes in this cage match of reality versus what is perceptibly owed to mm-hmm. you in the art world. Yeah. Because you have hope and positivity about what you're doing. It's like I okay, I wrote this song, I recorded this song, I love this song. I think people are gonna love this song. That type of expectation is cool, but there's a very fine line between I think people are going to love this song and this song is going to be a fucking hit and a massive difference. The difference could not be any larger or more gaping between those two things because if you have no expectations, having no expectations and thinking people are going to love this song, if one of your friends hears that song and loves it, your job is done. Congratulations. You just, you absolutely just fulfilled what you had set out to do. I don't know. It just feels like expectation defragments the process of uncovering a truth so intimate that it wields the power to change someone's life. You know what I mean? Like, and what are we doing writing, moving poetry, if not trying to change someone's life or at least entertain them? Yeah. And we can't necessarily direct where it goes. No. No, nor so should we have the power to play that god. Right. Yeah. Of course. So I'm, I'm on my number two now. Okay, two. Um, and this is the first one I thought of when you said this list. Is it just, publicity again just to drive the point Never home? trust a pup. No, <laughs> I'm just This is just, I'm just like, this is the biggest no-no in town. Yeah. Uh, never, ever play a pay-to-play. Never, Ever, That's ever. basically saying you just are worthless. You I actually kind of want to. I want to end the list right there because <laughs> that is the that is you've given a lot of great advice today, but that it for as far as self possession and worth goes, that is one of the biggest things you can do for yourself. Now, if, if listeners don't know what a pay to play, let's talk about is. That. You go to the whiskey and you're like, hey, I got a hot new band, all right? And we want to play an open night. And they're like, well, let me tell you something, son. We got an opening on Tuesday at 1.15 a.m. All you got to do is sell 60 tickets. Yep, and you have to give us the money up front. And yep. if you don't, actually, I think pay-to-plays in the later stages of everything, too, they would just run your credit card. Oh, God. They would charge your credit card. So you were you had already paid them, and then they give you the tickets, and they're like, have fun recouping that. Yeah, good luck. The shitty thing about pay-to-play... Oh, my... The shitty thing. The one shitty thing about pay-to-play. Everything is fucking shitty about pay-to-play. Is that people are still going to be doing that. Mm -hmm. um, Because that old adage of you have to start somewhere is also very true. But that's not starting somewhere. That's actually going into the negative. That's starting backwards. Yeah, that's, Yeah. that's, that's, that's... 
basically, uh, you know, we uh, like my oldest band. We almost did one. I feel like in the very beginning, and somebody called us and was like, "You never do that. Yeah, you just you you lose all your integrity." The Booker, a pay to play Booker, will prey on the blinding lights in the eyes of the new band in Los Angeles. Right. Though you know what I mean. You're totally. from fucking Montana. You're from Bozeman. You just got yeah. here. You got a good product, and someone's like, "Hey, Jake, yeah, you, know, you just got to just gotta, let me give you your credit card, and then you, yeah, I'll give you the no, tickets. it's okay. Of course, you're gonna sell the tickets. So you, you, we got a built-in crowd. Look here. Hot. You guys look hot. Yeah, kids. you look great. What do you play? Classic rock. I love classic rock. <laughs> Little Rush. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, don't so, yeah, and I feel like before pre-COVID, going back to pre and post-COVID, um, <laughs> I feel like pre-COVID there was a like the satellite even started booking a few pay-to-play in their darkest days. Yes, in their darkest days, like that is the last gasping breath of a venue on their way out because yeah. they have no idea how to make door revenue anymore. It's unfortunate. It is super unfortunate. But if you're listening out there and you are in a band or or a manager or promote or whatever, don't just don't don't even justify it. Don't even rationalize it. Don't even think well. It like, shouldn't exist. No, it should not exist, and it's fucking unfair. Play a free show. Yeah. Just go play a fucking. If free you can't show. get paid yet, then start playing some free shows. Also, guess what? You're gonna have to play some fucking free shows anyway. A lot of them. A lot of them. <laughs> I, I wanted to say most of them, but yeah. then that would out <laughs> the success of my previous careers in the yeah. in, in the foray of music. You have to play the free shows until. <clears throat> The band breaks up. Yes. Yeah, right. You get one paying show. It's probably the biggest show of your life, yeah. and you make $200, and then, you yeah, then you're done. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. My number two is the manage the manager, the right. friendager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Desperate to reach the next tier, you hire a clown posing as a manager. <laughs> um, and there was one band that I was in for a very long I love time. It sounds so specific on your end. Well, I have a very specific... Uh, ongoing battle with this in my mind because uh-huh. there was there was a band I was in for a again a very long time yeah. and um, and we did mostly well mm-hmm. we had a, a lot of really huge experiences but there was one central thread that it was its entire undoing mm-hmm. and you know we're talking about seven years of practicing five nights a week to be able right. to get to where. This band got this band I was in, and unfortunately, we had a friendager, um, and he was the most abusive, abrasive, cocksure, arrogant son of a bitch I've ever met in my life, and he ruined everything for us. Um, And I am so specifically and vehemently against management at large now unless it's someone who can actually offer you something like right. don't hire a manager until they do one free thing for you oh yeah, you you have time. to have that test like if they okay buddy if you can provide this for us we'll talk about what you're going to make thereafter right but i think a lot of bands as you said like don't hire a manager until you have something to manage. A lot of people think that that's just a natural evolution. Like, okay, I'm going to get a girlfriend, and yeah. then we're going to get a dog, and right. then we're going to get married, and then we're going to buy a house, and mm-hmm. then we're going to have kids. Like, it's this thing that we're told, unfortunately. We've been brainwashed to think that these steps will, in fact, get you to the next tier when really 
that's kind of just this age-old tale that doesn't make sense anymore, even pre-COVID, as of course we're talking about. Yeah, and the internet makes a manager even more useless. Completely useless. A manager is only useful to you now as a day planner, as an organizer, as someone, like, because let's be real here. If you're a musician, even in a successful band, you're still working a day job. Yeah. And while you're at that day job, you can't always respond to emails. Mm -hmm. You can't always make calls. You can't always write those blurbs for your publicist to put out. You have to have someone there who's kind of overseeing this whole, you know, this this journey, this voyage right. from point A to point B. But other than that, they're relatively useless. And in fact, they're much more harmful to your career because they're speaking for you a right. lot of the time. And if you have someone who's speaking for you who does not align with your core values as a person or as a group or even just get your vibe even just get your vibe yeah, yeah. then you're doomed and totally. i've had a lot of incredible experiences in this industry my biggest undoing was from that wow uh, from so that's having, why it's so high on your list i guess it that. is very high on my list and you know frankly it would be at number one um but my number one is a little bit more ambiguous than that yeah um i wonder if we have the same number one let's see my number one, and unfortunately, um, yeah, unfortunately, this is on the list. It's uh, don't be a fucking creep. <laughs> oh, damn. Because uh, yeah, you'll, I, yeah, you just can get straight it almost, canceled. Man. It almost feels needless to say. I know, like, but that's why, why it's a bummer to, that I have yeah. to put this on this list. Yeah. But with all the stuff that's come out, sends me to of musicians, yeah. and, and it's just like, unfortunately, hey, maybe it doesn't matter that you're getting really big. Maybe you don't. Do the uh, the FaceTime with a fourteen year old? Maybe you don't. Do you know, that. maybe maybe, you're maybe not, you know it's wrong. Maybe you're not so needy and codependent that you have to take love from these immature fans of yours yeah. and groom them into be your personal sex slave or robot. Right. Because Stop reading the the Led Zeppelin book or whatever. Right. And, also, and, your insecurities are showing, brother. Yeah. Like just, like we know who you are now. You're not. It's a plague on the scene. It that, is a plague. I mean, on when the all scene. the Burger Records. Stuff, of course came out and yeah. stuff. it's not surprising but it's just upsetting it's yes just, it's just like man when are we gonna mm -hmm. i mean maybe covid times is where it's like you know people start looking back like that's not how i don't know that's don't not know how this works change, anymore yeah. yeah but that's i mean unfortunately that's the number one biggest mistake i think you can make now as a musician because you will be forgot like a lot of these two these musicians that are getting canceled you know a lot of them think oh, i'll be back in a couple of years like yeah ryan adams is waiting you know, yeah, he probably thinks he'll have a comeback, but no, it's like, nah, he won't. You're done. And there are plenty of other people who sound like Ryan Adams yeah. that I can listen we to need as to well. Question all those Ryan Adams yes, we do. that are yeah. sitting on my shelf, thanks to my wife. I know, yeah. Uh, well, I'm all I also was a Ryan Adams fan, right. um, but anyway, so unfortunately, that's my number one. That's a good number one to have. We didn't have the same number one. What is yours? Because I didn't even think about the creep thing. I know, I was, I, I was bummed out that I thought about that, and then I'm like, well, I guess that's I was number coming one. from a place where like if creephood didn't exist, I know. But uh, my number one, and this is also very detrimental to a group and something so easily to get swept up into. And I think there are bits and fragments of this in what we've talked about thus far. But believing every win translates into hard data or more opportunities. Mm. Oh, Just good. because you got a fucking Pitchfork review or you got a Coachella slot or you've got a headlining gig you know, at the regent or like, just because you're getting these things. For one second. Yeah. So me and Jess, my, me and Bunny, we're yeah. talking about how 
there's nothing about you in your accent that sounds that southern. Yeah. Like it's not very obvious. No. Until you say Coachella. It's the only thing. Really? It's Coachella. The only, you say Coachella. Coachella. And like all of a sudden it's like your spurs. Oh fuck, man. Like, we're knocking boots now. <laughs> Shit. You gonna take me out to Coachella? <laughs> I'm so happy that you guys have actually had this conversation. I, I have. I love it. I, I'm like, should I ever bring it up with him? And I'm like, oh, yes. Man, now it is. Yeah, now I finally the, had. Well, to we we only talk about Coachella every five Coachella. episodes. Coachella. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, thank so. you. No, no, that was a really incredible interjection. I, I, I also feel seen for the first time in a long time. <laughs> so thank you, dude. Um, yeah, believing that just because you have A, it's going to lead to B, you are going to be sorely mistaken yeah. every time because it doesn't matter. That might mean you have some eyes on you, but when just because someone passes you the ball doesn't mean that you're going to make the shot. Also, to add to that, like just because you got this thing and maybe another band you know also got that thing right. and then gets another thing doesn't mean that like you got screwed right cuz like that's another thing i notice happens a lot with artists you know we we got to keep our eyes on our own paper for sure yes like also <laughs> having a like back to the spotify generation thing oh man it's so what a bummer. fucking exhausting having like getting playlisted Let's talk about that. Getting get you put out a song, it gets playlisted. You get three hundred thousand listens in the first week or whatever, which has happened to plenty of my friends. I'm sure it has with yours. Yep, I've gotten on our some friends sweet playlist for sure. Get that twelve dollar paycheck. You get that twelve dollar paycheck. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but just because you have you know a million spins on something doesn't mean that a million people are coming to your show. It feels really sensical or like yeah. common sense to have that line of rationale, that thinking. But a lot of people don't understand that. Like the, you know, 70% of your million spins are background spins or bot spins right. or like spins where the, the, the listener, the fan didn't take the extra five minutes that it would have taken to Google your name or find you on social media or even add you to their library yeah. or buy your record. Like just Fucking because you, Spotify. Yeah. Seriously. And also, well, you got to give them some of the your sweet, sweet royalties, and you get those algorithm <laughs> boosts. Oh my god, what a world! I want to change my name from Alexander day. just because Alexander and algorithm start with the same two letters. I'm so tired Dude, of your thinking, solo project should be called Alexander Algorithm or just Mister Go Rhythm. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> Whoa, that isn't bad at all. Oh well. wow! What a depressing, enlightening. I feel like that was our most serious list. It definitely was. It We've was had like, some serious. It was kind of dry for us, but, it, but but God damn it, if it wasn't informational. And you know what? It feels therapeutic for me. Privilege chat. Yes, I'm. I'm extremely curious what you have to say about this. Oh, oh, that's my cue. No, I, I don't know why I was looking at you like that. But we are going to talk about. The virtue signaling regarding yeah, Idols I, Ultramano. Yes. Which their came out a most couple. recent effort, their third record, I believe, uh -huh. right? Which and is definitely uh, the worst. You've sampled, <laughs> you sampled Grounds. Right. Or, that song really episode. slapped. And, you know, it's definitely the best song on the album. Let's just say that it first. Is. So, yes. And uh, it's honestly almost kind of weakened, I feel like, around the album. The I song, feel like the song was weakened by the lack of impact. The I felt from the album. Okay, so the reason we're checking this priv today and we're doing it joint is because 
We've talked about this. You and I have spoken of this exact conundrum, what's going on with this record Mm -hmm. after the record came out. And I feel like this is a good time to kind of rehash that conversation for the listener. See what's going on here. So the definition of virtue signaling, Mm -hmm. if you're unfamiliar with it or if the listeners are. So hit me with it. A pejorative neologism for the conspicuous and disingenuous expression of moral values with the intent to enhance one's own image. Okay. Yeah. So I put into layman's terms, it's more or less a aggressive approach to denouncing certain things that you are in fact in belief of mm-hmm. and you are trying to uh trying to, to to point the finger away from your own wrongdoing right and even so, more layman's terms could almost be a poser a poser yes absolutely <laughs> you're a fucking poser completely <laughs> so the reason we're talking about this is obviously we are in times of protest right now mm-hmm. it is a incredibly strange time for humanity and one should take to a protest record right now. Right. It sounds like... Like it's the best thing you could do with your voice and your It's interesting because I've even been thinking about how when when Trump was first elected, everybody was like, this is going to be crazy for punk rock. Right. But everybody said that. Yeah. And it's like, Because the no, Bush years. Because the Bush you, can't years pre- like that. you can't predict what's already happened in the right. Reagan and the Bush years. Like, this is yes. different. This is pure chaos. This is chaos. Like, yeah. this isn't... You can't just write a punk song and everybody's gonna everyone's start yeah, feeling all right. You can't write like, American idiot and the whole like, nation. If anything, like, we need distraction, right? <laughs> yes, in the form of music. And so, yeah, on paper, Idols coming out with this heavy-footed protest album sounds like something we should embrace. Yes, but the product itself. But the product itself is again strange. And if we haven't explained this enough leading up to this point. Idols put out this record and immediately a bunch of people were like, you are everything that's wrong with contemporary activism culture. Mm -hmm. Um, And by everybody, I actually mean a small select group of a few um, such as uh, the the front man for Fat White Family, this other band, Sleaford Mods. Right, both of which bands I, I'm not familiar with. I know a little bit of Fat White Family, uh, but not Sleaford. Uh, but now, since they've come out and very publicly expressed their opinions in favor of idols being kind of weak posers mm-hmm. about uh, their beliefs and their moral values, even though the record, Ultramano, from start to finish is a protest record um that's that there's no other way to describe that record yeah i think um for the yeah for the most part so it's weird that they're getting a lot of backlash from their local community and it makes me want to investigate it a little bit more so on what was it september 25th the bristol post punk punk rock industrial rock band released their third studio record as we said ultramano on partisan records ironically enough uh because of its lack of bipartisan reviews and polarizing divisiveness to a slew of reviews that both praised in kind of like a white savior complex way maybe and discredited in more of a jealous investigation way Uh, their attempts at ideological vulnerability and championing of sonic activism. Like Mm -hmm. they put out this record, this very timely record. And I think that's where a lot of people are starting to turn their heads. Like like, you put out a protest record 
in the middle of a time of protest on a large label as a huge commercial release. Mm -hmm. But why wasn't it like that for, say, Rage Against Machine? Well, a lot of in what Joe Talbot, uh, the singer of Idols, has said, he's like, you know, you can't really judge this album when nobody can see it live. Right. And they are a live band, and that's how yes. I initially fell in love with them, was seeing them and being like, wow, this is nuts. But I think maybe us not being able to see them live kind of takes the haze of that craziness away, and we're like, is this is this band actually what we need right now? Right. As opposed <laughs> like to being such a, it's such a macho way to yeah. talk about toxic masculinity. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Like, they're, like, they're so, they're still so macho sounding yeah. and like, you know, I, I can't blame them for that, but like, it's just so strange to hear like, like that one song on there where he's like, consent. Yes. Consent. The, with uh, Ginny <laughs> Barth from Savages, yeah, yeah, right? It's, yeah. It just doesn't Screaming work. Screaming cons- consent work into it. And I it's think no also me, allyship or the concept of allyship has changed too. Right. Like, and that's why I said white savior complex earlier. Because it definitely. It, that's where a lot of the counter argument comes from. Like, and, hey, we don't need five white dudes from Bristol, England, who are like, who are self-proclaimed vulnerable saints in that regard right. to be doing this work for us in a way that loses its meaning over the translation of such. Because it's also a very polished record. Totally. This I mean, doesn't yeah, sound there's... like a protest album. It sounds like a major release. Yeah. And like in the Pitchfork review, they talk about that line in Grounds where he says, where I raise my pink fist and say black is beautiful. Right. And it's just like how many things that kind of misses the point of like about how the the movement is not about glorifying like black bodies either. Like that's not that's a part of missing the point. Like exactly. It's it's just there's there's a lot of yeah like uh, good intentions, but like misled yeah. to a certain degree. Yeah. Or, well. Uh, Along these reviews, as we've been talking, most notably the heaviest critique came from an angry intellectual exhibitionist uh, disguised as the the high art musician, uh, the front man of Fat White Family. Okay. uh, or I'm sorry, Lias Saudi. Lias, I would imagine, maybe. Mm -hmm. I'm not a bloke. Again, I wish I was. Lias Saudi. Uh, who had things such as this to offensively spout after a troll com- uh, troll campaign and subsequent retort from Joe Talbot, who, again, as you said, is the lead singer of Idols. This is what Leas had to say. Quote, the group represent everything that is wrong with contemporary cultural politics, end quote. Quote, theirs is the sound of an inverse solidarity one that revels in the sanctimonious condemnation of people not quite up to speed whilst offering up no valid counter strategy, end mm-hmm. quote. All, all these are true things yeah. to a certain degree. He's, again, still kind of in shitty intellectual. But right. another quote, the group claim that vulnerability is their armor. Where exactly is all of this vulnerability? It's as if the lyrics have been generated by a Guardian-designed algorithm. Every red button issue of the day systematically addressed in the most predictable way imaginable. And I end with that quote. And if you guys want to read this full article, you can find it online. It's actually quite enticing or intriguing or investigative at its very least. Now, 
this is how this conversation was spurned between you and I. Right. You played Grounds on an episode. You were listening to the record when it came out. I listened to a couple of songs, did some digging online and found this. And I sent you an NME article or yeah. maybe a Consequence article or something. I waited till I heard the album before I read anything because I caught wind that, that it something was, was going on. It was on. getting some, I, I didn't know at the time, but I'm like, it's getting some, I'm not hearing praise. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I definitely waited to read anything about it till I listened to it. But I mean, I found it hard to get through. Like, and even that's sonically, what, like, yeah. it, it, it wasn't doing anything new or, or very interesting for me. Well, I found it to be incredibly intriguing when you were live texting me the record. Right. As you were listening to the whole thing, consuming the whole thing for the first time, you were live texting me. And it, it got to a point, like, 20 minutes into this live text where you were like, actually... You know what, Al? I'm not going to say anything. I'll let you listen to the record. Yeah. But that inferred that something had changed inside of you. It happens pretty quick because you hear, you know, the first song's just raging. Right. Uh, the lyrics are a little bit suspect, but it's at least the band's going nuts. Right. And so it's fun. And then you get grounds. And then, uh, it, yeah, it just wasn't, it didn't, I don't know, it, it, it didn't continue to find new areas. It's like they exhausted themselves yeah. with the first three singles. Which is crazy because going back to it, when you listen to a protest record like any of Rage's catalog, when you listen to that, you actually want to be a part of the revolution. Yeah, 100%. Like it, it well, engages you so in such a way. There's so much more authenticity to who even the people in Rage Against the Machine are as Very people. Very true. Like, yeah, where Tom Morello's upbringing comes from. Right. You know, like these are people that have been into the protest movements all their life. They didn't just decide that they wanted to be like the poster boy for it. For sure. And I think that's what Idols is probably trying to do right yeah. now. Maybe even if, if they're not doing it with bad, even if they're doing it with, with good intentions, intentions it's yeah. just, um, it's not exactly who we need to be leading the fight, I guess. Right. And I think that's what we're trying to talk through today. I just find it to be so interesting that this is happening. I know, like, right? It's, it's you one, release a protest record, you put an entire studio effort into protesting the social topics of the day, and there are people out there calling you a fucking phony for it. Right. It's... It's it's so strange to me. Yeah. But I love talking through it. All right, so Leah Saudi then goes on to cite cancel culture as a free fall in the destruction of meaningful self-expression. And while I largely disagree with this opinion and side with everyone assisting, you know, in the crusade with vocalizing as much as humanly possible in the aim to eradicate the never-ending plague of racist bigotry in this fucking country and on this globe, the question still stands, does the world, as you put, need a bunch of privileged white dudes screaming equality over amplified dissonance? Like, do we need yeah. that? Like, it sounds fucking incredible. In Maybe the... we would need it more if we could go see it live. Yeah, you know, maybe I think so. That's, I think the COVID thing is killing this band who everybody, like, this visceral... And, and when I think about it, you know, the first two Idols records, I only liked a handful of songs on yeah, those two. I've sure. never been, like, in love a with full their record whole records. But, you know, you, you get a couple songs, that you're like, I dig that one. You go see them live, and they all get naked. It's crazy. Yeah. And, you know... And there's a pit, that. you yeah. know, which you rarely see cathartic. these days. And that's yeah. when you're screaming, you know, it's that. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. Um... I mean, I think perhaps if Idols approached the sprawling topics covered on Ultramano, such as social justice, equality, sexual consent, etc., without the lyrical schemes of such brute simplicity, mm -hmm. because it's not like Joe Talbot's 
poetry is, uh, you know, too complex, no, if you will. It's kind of buzzwords. Right. The, the social tribulations we're facing right now are so complex that it feels like simplicity is a disservice to their complexities. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I that think that's why they're getting a lot of backlash on this record, because it is so simply put. Like, we need to do more poetic research. I mean, if, if you're going to be, be simple in a protest song, still make it, like, effectively poetic. Like, when you yeah. first understood the the meaning of some of those who work forces or some of those... Who uh, burn, uh, burn crosses. Cross are the same, same that run forces. Run for, yeah. yeah. Like, when you hear that, you're like, oh, shit. And that's like, real. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, and it's also... You learned a lot. It's and a refrain. It you like crazy, and it's catchy. Yeah, and it's catchy <laughs> as fuck. I don't know. I, I feel like if it wasn't such a regurgitation of a trending caption this wouldn't have become one of the first public displays at least in my memory of properly aligned ideal shaming like we've kind of crossed into this new category with this black hole of what's happening with this idols records because people are shaming good ideals yeah it's kind of crazy because it's like everybody needs to Make their voices heard. Right. You're too loud. You're too, yeah, turn the fuck down. Or like, you're doing it wrong. Uh, Which it's interesting. Yeah, you bring up a good point with that. It's I mean, weird just because like... My main problem is I don't think the album's very good. It's just, maybe it's just not a good record. Maybe we shouldn't even be spending so much time talking about well, it was Well, it was a very, like, a weighted release this year. People were excited yeah. about it for a number of reasons. And I don't know. You know. I also feel like the intellectualization of a belief under the guise of art abstraction doesn't make a core value any less true. So like simply put, or if you want to put it so poetically, it doesn't make it any less true. Joe Talbot screaming black is beautiful can be very much the same as like Bob Dylan writing hurricane, right. you know, about Reuben Carter, you know, the wrongfully imprisoned great boxer of our time. Like there but are, as you say that, like there's, there's so much meaning and history behind one song you you're talked right. about. And a the lot other of research. One, you're right. The other one is something you could read off a fucking uh, bumper sticker. Or I think a lot of people have said his lyrics do remind them of an Instagram caption. Yeah. Like of someone who, of some white privileged person who just went to their first protest, you know, captioning the Instagram grab to let everyone else know that they were there. It kind of has that same effect. Yeah, you're almost like, are you trying to get laid? Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. You're going, you're doing a lot of work to get laid. Um, I don't know. Or just maybe if you're a thriving business, which is exactly what a successful band becomes when reaching a level of operation that calls for the monetization of its subject matter, when releasing a product that deals in cards of for the people, by the people, as you and I were talking about outside, uh, in example, this album of protest songs by a group that has publicized their detaste for the societal norms of oppression, you understand that the end result of such an effort has been built on the backs of a marginalized community. Like mm. maybe that also isn't their right to do as a successful band. Like, again, you've reached the point where you're making this big release, you're monetizing your beliefs, your subject matter, you're making money off of it, and you're still building it on the backs of this largely marginalized community. Yeah. I mean, offer a consumer option, a free download, or like you know, give back to the community. Like yeah. we're going to release a pro we're gonna release a protest record, but we're gonna charge you money for it. Uh -huh. And this money isn't going directly to us or our cause. It's going for the people 
who are putting out this record as well. And I did my research to make sure that I wasn't coming in cold okay, here. Okay, they're not like they're not donating. I have. I didn't album. see a single thing. I didn't see wow. a single thing about you proceeds. Think you would going <laughs> you to know? yeah, like I, I just anything at all. Like people, you know, uh, survivors of sexual trauma and assault. Well, then or, it's not a protest album. It has protest lyrics. It maybe. has protest lyrics, kind or of. it's like conceptually protest. And I could be wrong about this. And if you if you're a listener and you know this and you know that they've been donating yeah, somewhere, please like, let me know. Been donating all their, I would I would feel terrible, but like, I don't. I think feel like I would have heard that. You know. Yeah, the 50, 30, 20, 10% of proceeds are going to, you know, something worthwhile, something that we're singing about on this record. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't, it just, it just, it, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense make, to yeah, me. And I don't have any conclusions today. I can't say if it's right or if it's wrong. I just want to talk about this because, again, I find it so odd that people are screaming virtue signaling. Right when a popular band is putting out a protest record that a lot of people are going to listen to and maybe even be swayed to protest against their own oppressors. Hey, if it, yeah, if it helps you out, you know, if you're fucking just getting into politics at age 12. Or just getting into punk music yeah. and not knowing where to go historically, so you kind of go with the present then day. Then this album's probably right up your alley. It is. I say yeah. fucking blast it. Yeah. Turn it on. And get into it and crazy. do your research into it you know, thereafter into protest music yeah. to find other it better. Lead, yeah, examples. this album could easily lead people to rage, you know. For sure. So, so it's not all bad. And know, with all of this front loaded in the brain churner, let's revisit the term virtue signaling for a moment. James Bartholomew, a British journalist who has been largely cited for coining the term, had this to say in an explanation to clarify the origins. Quote If you were frank and said, I care more about the environment than most people do, or I care about the poor more than others. Your vanity and self-aggrandizement would be obvious, but anger and outrage disguise your boastfulness. So that's the guy who termed this whole mm-hmm. thing virtue signaling. And in those last words, anger and outrage disguise your boastfulness. Anger, outrage, and boastfulness are three things that could be used to describe ultramano by idols. That's true. You know what I mean? That's so when I came true. across this quote from this guy who would coin this term, who put a bunch of different psychological things together to to make this thing, virtue signaling, it I don't know, within the statement, again, those are the key words. And it's we're talking about a punk protest record. It was like he was that was like a review. For the record. <laughs> like they could put it on the vinyl. They could put it on the vinyl as the front sticker. <laughs> it was just it was just way too it was way too obvious wow. for me. Wow, dude. After a month, we're a little rusty, but I feel I, it I coming feel back. Good. You know, is it coming back? We'll come back with some pop punk and then we'll be back in December for our, each of our year in review. Year in list, and that's the end of season two, it feels yeah, like. That's the end of the year. And then everything will be fine again. Everything's gonna be great after a transition of power. Right. After we look at our phones here in about an hour and see yeah. what we've I missed, I feel like so it was a great today. election day. I had a good time. I had a blast. Yeah, yeah. I'm I mean, glad I'm not glued to yeah. the news. Right, chairs now. still there. Chairs still there. Chairs still there. Maybe we'll just sit in here and smoke weed. Yeah, I put play your, some I, dashboard. I actually put your phone in a tub of water. Oh, perfect. That's yeah. all. I, yeah, that's all I need. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got a couple open tuning guitars in here. We can. If you bust have a G or an A or an E, then let's fucking party, dude. Oh, it's been good it's seeing good, you. Yeah, again, it's been man. great to see you. It's good to be back. To to keep going. I, 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 now that we've been away, I just want to record like four pods in Get a row. Get back into you know, it. Yeah. It. But thank you for Patreon members. Uh, 
I'm, it's good to be back. Interact with us. Tell us your favorite pop punk songs. Yeah, we can talk time. about it next episode. Yeah. Uh, I know Jocelyn is going to have a lot to say on that good. if she's still listening. And we'll see you next time when hopefully there's conclusively someone else leading this country. That'd be fantastic. Fuck. For now, we're the Goat Parade. Out. <laughs>